Joe Biden has made it 50 years in politics without having to take a stand on anything. Joe Biden has been an empty suit blowing in the wind, and it's actually worked out pretty well for him because he keeps getting elected to the Senate, and then he was vice president, and now he's gotten this nomination to be the Democratic nominee for president. During the last debate, President Trump forced Joe into taking a stand. He's probably going to reverse that stand any second now, but he forced him into taking a stand. And it was very unfortunate for Joe Biden because that particular stance on the issue could cost Joe just enough votes in just enough important states to cost him the election. The stance was on energy. Would you close down it's the oil By the way, I would transition from the oil industry, yes. Oh, I would transition. That it is a big statement that's a because big statement. I would stop. Why would you do that? So hold on a second. Right there, you hear the moderator who, who is a Democrat. She was better than Chris Wallace or better than the other moderators, but she was still obviously pulling for Joe, running interference for him. And as Joe says, yes, I would transition away from oil. I would transition away from fossil fuels. She just goes, why would you do that, Joe? What? The question was supposed to be, uh, probing to get more answers, but you could hear the exasperation in her voice. Why? Why would you say that Pennsylvania is going to decide the election? He gives his reasoning. Because the oil industry pollutes significantly. Oh, I see. And here's the deal. But That's a big statement. That. Well, if you let me finish the statement, because it has to be replaced by renewable energy over time, over time. And I'd stop giving to the oil industry, I'd stop giving them federal subsidies. He won't give federal subsidies to the to the gas. Excuse me, to the to uh, solar and wind. Yeah. Why are we giving it to oil industry? We actually do All give right. it to solar and wind. We and have that's one maybe final the biggest question. statement in terms of business. That's the biggest statement. Okay. Because basically, what he's saying question, is he is Mr. going President. to destroy the oil industry. Okay. Will you remember that Texas? Will you okay. remember that Pennsylvania, Oklahoma? Vice President Biden, let me give you 10 seconds to respond Ohio. and then I have to get to the final question. Uh, Mr. President, we have to cut you off before you point out to people how significant this is. It's very significant. It was a big misstep for Joe Biden, but it was a night of missteps for Joe Biden. We will discuss low energy, no energy, Joe. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment from Thursday from the Tex Animal. How is it possible for Obama to go from a net worth of around 300,000 when he took office to a net worth of around 33 million when he left office? There is a legitimate explanation for this, which is Barack Obama wrote these two books. The first book is Dreams from My Father, which actually wasn't that bad. He might not have written it himself. Who knows? He might have had a ghostwriter, as a lot of politicians do, but maybe he did. The, the book was readable and didn't sell a ton of copies when it came out, but then when you're running for president, people buy your book. Then he wrote a political book called The Audacity of Hope. That was certainly ghostwritten and it was absolute trash, but that sold a lot of copies too. So you can make money basically hawking books when you become a prominent politician. Make a little money after you leave office making speeches. Then you make a little bit of money with a Netflix deal. All legitimate, all, you know, especially the Netflix deal, a little bit, little bit of corruption there because it's just so part of the establishment. But okay, it's all totally legal. Then there are other questions like we have right now for Joe Biden. Joe Biden, were you getting some money off the top? Were you skimming off the top with some of these corrupt deals your son had? I don't know. There, there aren't really allegations about that with Barack Obama, none in particular. But, it, but there are questions that float around with all of these politicians. 
How did Maxine Waters get such a nice house? She's been in government her whole life. How did Joe Biden get such a nice house? He's been in government his whole life. How did Nancy Pelosi? How did this one? How did that one? They all seem to be living pretty large and maybe they can point to individual legal means of getting that money. But when you look at the whole, you say it's a little unseemly for people to be enriching themselves off of the public service, which Joe Biden has certainly done. Now he just wants to make everybody else poor by banning the energy industry. Even the media have had to call Joe Biden on this issue, particularly local media, which tend to be more honest than the national media. So right now, CBS affiliate out of Philly, uh, after that poor debate performance for Biden, come out and ask him about fracking. Industry leaders are concerned that if you win, demand for Pennsylvania coal will decline significantly as we move toward green energy. You also talked about transitioning away from oil. What would you tell these families here in Pennsylvania who are concerned about this? What's happening with coal is that people aren't building coal-fired facilities anymore because it's more expensive now. And so the transition has to take place that we have to make sure we take care of those folks that in fact are unrelated to anything we proposed. That's what's happening. Secondly, you know, they talk about fracking. I'm not talking about eliminating fracking. I just said no more fracking on federal lands, number one. Number two, you know, we should be, uh, and with regard to gas, oil, coal, all of it, the transition is taking place having nothing to do with anything I'm proposing. The fact is that the fastest growing industries in the country are solar and wind. Joe Biden can't answer the question. He can't answer the question on fracking, so he fills in with all of these little caveats. Well, I'm talking about subsidies. Well, I'm talking about this. Well, I'm talking about that. He was asked by an affiliate in Wilkes Bar, NBC affiliate out there, what about the energy? What do you want Americans, especially those who are connected to the natural gas industry and fossil fuel industry, what they can expect under a Biden administration should you be elected? I would do not, I will not ban fracking. I said no fracking on federal land. I will not ban fracking, number one. And number two, the coal and, excuse me, the natural gas industry and oil is not going to be fundamentally changed. They're already in transition. What I'm saying is that we will not continue to subsidize, give tax breaks to the oil companies, which amount to $40 billion. They will not get that. And that money will be put into research and development to figure out how to carbon capture what's coming off of gas and oil. So first of all, whenever I hear about the oil subsidies, it, it drives me crazy because the, the people pushing for oil subsidies very often are Democrats, some Republicans too, because do you know what oil subsidies are? It's giving money to poor people to heat their homes in the winter. That is very often what an oil subsidy is. How is that an oil subsidy? Well, because people need to heat their homes in the winter and the government has various programs to come in and help people who can't afford to do that heat their homes in the winter. And that money is passed along to who, you guessed it, oil and gas companies, because they're the ones who provide the fuel to heat your home. You're going to get rid of that, Joe? You're going to say, yeah, we're going to get all those poor families to freeze during the winter. I don't think so. And you would, I don't think you're going to do that. And you wouldn't want to do that even if you could. That's the big subsidy. But then listen to what he says. He says, listen, we're not going to ban energy. We're not going to change energy at all. We're just, it's going to go away, but naturally it's going to go away and, and not through me. Well, I'll help it along a little bit. Okay. Well, if you're going to help it along using 
the government writing new laws, then obviously it's not happening naturally. You can't have it both ways, but that's what Joe's always wanted to do. He wants to have every position of every single issue. Scranton ABC affiliate, same question. Mr. Vice President, in the debate, we talked about phasing out oil. What does that mean for the natural gas industry here in Pennsylvania that employs? I didn't say Thank you for asking the question. What I said was we're going to stop the subsidies for oil, which is about $40 billion. We're going to take that money, invest it in new technologies for what they call carbon capture. We're going to still need oil. We're going to still we're going to still have combustion engines. We're still going to need oil for many things. But what's happening is you have to do it and we can work toward getting it done so you can capture the carbon that comes from that gas and that oil. That's what has to be done. We're, we're going to invest money into carbon capture technology. That's, that's how you're explaining away your position at the debate that you're going to get rid of oil. Th- those are s- completely separate things. You can't, I don't remember hearing a, a lot about carbon capture during the debate. I wish I could see what's going on in Joe's mind. I wish I could see exactly where he thinks this issue is going to lead him. Like if I had a fight a camera in Joe's mind. Fortunately, I have a camera outside of my home, and that is thanks to Ring. You know, there's a thousand reasons why protecting your home matters to you. Ring has security products for every corner of your home, inside and out. Best of all, you can see it all in one simple app. With Ring, you can keep an eye on your home no matter where you are right from your phone. If someone stops by or something's going on, Ring will let you know. It gives you peace of mind anytime, whether you're in your house, whether you're at the office, whether you are on a beach somewhere. As you know, I've been giving out ring to my friends for years as housewarming gifts. But now I'm going to have a nice, big, beautiful home in Tennessee. We're in LA. We all live in little hovels in Tennessee. We're going to have like nice big places. And sweet little Lisa's a good shot, but I'm very excited that I'm going to have Ring to uh, give me a little bit more peace of mind when I get out there. Get a special offer on the Ring Welcome Kit at ring.com slash Knowles. Comes with a Ring Video Doorbell 3 and Chime Pro, the perfect way to start your Ring experience, plus free two-day shipping. Go to ring.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, that is ring.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. So you've heard Joe dancing around all of this. No, I didn't mean we're going to get rid of oil. No, I didn't mean we're going to get rid of fracking. No, I meant we're going to have new technology. No, I meant we're going to phase it out. No, I meant it's phasing out naturally. No. Okay, what's your actual stance? Well, here is Joe Biden from just a few months ago. Would there be any place for fossil fuels, including coal and fracking, in a Biden administration? No, it would be, we, would, we would work it out. We would make sure it's eliminated and no more subsidies for either one of those. I guarantee we're going to end fossil fuel. No more, no new fracking. And I'd gradually move away from fracking. And I think it's critically important on day one that we end any fossil fuel leases on public lands. Oh, well, like, what about, say, stopping fracking and stopping yes. pipeline infrastructure? Yes. And, 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 exactly. and, and they, they want to do the same thing I want to do. They want to phase out fossil fuels, and we're going to phase out fossil fuels. There's no question I'm in favor of banning fracking. Now, you heard him mention subsidies in there, but he didn't say what I'm talking about is getting rid of subsidies. He said, yeah, we're going to get rid of oil, we're going to get rid of fracking, we're going to get rid of energy, and we're going to get rid of subsidies. Okay, and, so that's additional. But the rest, it's pretty clear. No new fracking. We're going to get rid of fossil fuel. How does Joe Biden do this? Because he's a typical politician, and he talks out of both sides of his mouth. This was actually one of the best moments in the debate for President Trump. He called Joe Biden out for this. Joe Biden gave a very smarmy, unctuous sort of politician line, 
and, and Trump sort of broke the fourth wall, broke the framework of the debate and said, oh my gosh, did you hear this? What a politician. This isn't about, there's a reason why he's bringing up all this malarkey. There's a reason for it. He doesn't want to talk about the, the, the substantive issues. It's not about his family and my family. It's about your family. And your family's hurting badly. If you're making less than, if you're a middle class family, you're getting hurt badly right now. You're sitting at the kitchen table this morning deciding, well, we can't get new tires or ball because we have to wait another month or so. Or are we going to be able to pay the mortgage? Or who's going to tell her she can't go back to, to community college? They're the decisions you're making in the middle class families like I grew up in Scranton and Claymont. They're in trouble. We should be talking about your families, but that's the last thing he wants to talk about. I want to. I want to talk about North Korea. Me, I do want to turn to ten seconds, Mr. President. That's ten a seconds. Typical political statement. Let's get off this China thing, and then he looks the family around the table, everything. Just right. a typical politician. When I see that, let's talk I'm about not North a typical Korea. Politician. Okay, that's President why I got elected. That let's was, talk. Let's about, get off the subject of China. Let's talk around sitting around the table. All right. Come on, Joe, you can do better. We're going to talk about North Korea now. Oh, no. If you look at Joe's face during that clip, you can see he's really good at the performative, the big grin and the kind of forced fake laughter. And he's really good at all of that. When Trump calls him out for just sounding like a typical politician because he doesn't want to talk about China, he he looks like you you killed his puppy. I mean, he looks so shocked that someone could do that that it, 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 it's never happened to him before. Nothing like that has happened to him before. It, it reminds me back in 2016 when uh, Marco Rubio gave some kind of stupid political statement and, and Chris Christie walks up there. And again, another kind of New York, New Jersey guy. And he goes, yeah, you hear that? There it is. There's the 15 second can't speech. Listen to Rubio. He just, it's like you turn him on like a robot. And re- then Rubio just repeated it verbatim, which is, did not make the situation any better. So I thought that was a great moment for Trump. The other great moment for Trump where he kind of broke out of the framework of the debate, which was all working against him, right? You had a moderate moderator, quote unquote, who was much fairer than the other ones, but still left wing. She just happened to be much better than Chris Wallace or the, these other uh, people that we've seen at other debates. They were all working against Trump and he broke out actually at one point by complimenting the moderator. He, he said, thank you very much for being respectful. I appreciate it. Schools, they need a lot of money to open. They need to deal with ventilation systems. They need to deal with smaller classes, more teachers, more pods. And he's refused to support that money, or at least up to now. Let's talk about schools. President well, Trump, I, I you... think we have to respond, if I might. Please, and then I have a follow-up. Thank you, and I appreciate that. Look, all he does is talk about shutdowns. So the thank you, the I appreciate that. At one point in the debate, he says, thanks for how you're handling this. Uh, you're doing well handling this. What was that about? Is it because he's a really nice guy? Maybe it is. I don't know. I don't know the man personally. What I think this was about is that he realized that the audience for these debates tends to skew older, more senior citizens. People who are going to decide this election skew older, they're senior citizens, and they don't want the cacophony and the constant interruptions and the zings and the zangs and the things that, you know, younger voters might get a kick out of. I think older voters find that to be a little disrespectful. So he was much more respectful. And then when they got on the topic of coronavirus, I felt that the distinction here in tactic was really clear. Joe Biden was all doom and gloom. President Trump, sunny and hopeful. 
He's, this is the same fellow who told you this is going to end by Easter last time. This is the same fellow who told you that, don't worry, we're going to end this by the summer. We're about to go into a dark winter, a dark winter. And he has no clear plan, and there's no prospect that there's going to be a vaccine available for the majority of the American people before the middle of next year. President Trump, your reaction? He says you I have no plan. I don't think we're going to have a dark winter at all. We're opening up our country. We've learned and studied and understand the disease, which we didn't at the beginning. When I closed and banned China from coming in heavily infected, and then ultimately Europe, but China was in January. Months later, he was saying I was xenophobic. I did it too soon. Now he's saying, oh, I should have, uh, I should have, you know, moved quicker. All you heard from Biden was this disease is going to kill you. Be afraid. Be very afraid. You're all going to die. And Trump said, don't worry about it. <laughs> Look, I had the, I had the thing. I had it three days later. I was fine. Don't be afraid. I, whenever you're a challenger candidate and you're running against an incumbent, you, you have to portray the current situation as unpleasant so that you have a reason for people to, to vote for you. However, th there's a big difference between my opponent passed a law that's really bad and I'm going to repeal it. And there is a, a virus that came in from China and it's, it's an external threat and it's harming all of us. And therefore you're all going to die. And it's all really terrible. One is, is politics and you can play in politics, but the other one is from abroad. The other one is supposed to unite us all as Americans and we're supposed to grit our teeth and get through it together. And Joe Biden couldn't do that. It was so dark. It was such a, such a horrible thing to tell people. And I, I strongly suspect the people watching this debate would have preferred the more hopeful, sunnier, confident, it's all going to be okay. Joe attempted some of this hopeful rhetoric, actually just by stealing a line from Obama's speech. Joe Biden is famous, infamous for stealing lines from people's speeches. He had to drop out of the 1988 presidential race because he was stealing lines from uh, people's speeches over in Ireland. And so he did this with Obama. He stole specifically Obama's most famous line. They're not a red America. They're not a blue America. They're the United States of America. It's a completely meaningless, stupid line. But he, he took it to try to seem optimistic. Problem was, because Joe Biden does not have quite as many brain cells as Barack Obama to rub together, uh, Joe Biden immediately undercut the statement that he stole. I don't look at this in terms of the way he does. Blue states and red states. They're all the United States. And look at the states that are having such a spike in the coronavirus. They're the red states. They're the states in the Midwest. They're the states in the upper Midwest. That's where the spike is occurring significantly. But they're all Americans. They're all Americans. I don't see the difference between the red states and the blue states, but what I see is that the red states are the problem and the blue states are good. Mm, Joe, did you listen to, he probably didn't even read the line he stole. He just, you know, he's just, it's so easy. He just comes and he goes, yeah, that sounded pretty good when Obama said that thing. Okay, I'm going to say it, but he doesn't understand what it means. And so again, both sides of his mouth. Speaking of division, by the way, Joe Biden and the Democratic moderator, because they were losing the debate, went back to the only emotional attack line that has consistently worked throughout the Trump administration. It's the only terrible, awful thing they can accuse Trump of, which is he separated children from their parents at the border, right? Put, put kids in cages. Put, you put kids in cages, you monster, I would never do that. So they launched that line of attack, but Trump was prepared for it. They got separated from their parents. And it makes us a laughing stock and violates every notion of who we are as a nation. Let me ask you a follow-up question. they did it. 
We changed the policy. Your response they to did that? It. We, we did not. They built the cages. The they, who, who built the cages, let's, Joe? Let's talk about what who we're talking about. Who built the cages, about. Joe? Let's talk about what we're talking about. <laughs> well, we're talking about the cages. Well, let's, I want to talk about what we're talking about. I don't want to be talking about the thing we're not talking about. Who built the cages, Joe? Well, I don't want to talk about that. Because the Biden, or the Biden, the Obama-Biden administration built the cages. Those photos that were going around showing kids in cages and it was so awful and Trump's the devil. Turns out those photos were from 2014. President Trump doesn't get elected until 2016. They were from the Obama administration. So he cuts him off right there. And then he makes a point about these kids separated from their parents. Very often, they're not being brought over by their parents. We're going to talk about immigration now, gentlemen, and we're going to talk about families within this context. Mr. President, your administration separated children from their parents at the border, at least 4,000 kids. You've since reversed your zero tolerance policy, but the United States can't locate the parents of more than 500 children. So how will these families ever be reunited? Uh, children are brought here by coyotes and lots of bad people, cartels, and they're brought here, and they used to use them to get into our country. We now have as strong a border as we've ever had. We're over 400 miles of brand new wall. You see the numbers. And we let people in, but they have to come in legally, and they come in through America. But Mary. how will you reunite let me these just tell kids you, with their families, let me just tell you, Mr. President? They built cages. So it's, it's not President Trump's fault necessarily that he didn't have the answer on this. None of us, I think, knew the answer on this until the Department of Homeland Security came out with it. But the premise of that question is complete BS. Right now, there are 485 cases where kids have been separated from their parents and it's under litigation. Not in one single case has the Department of Homeland Security found the parents and the parents wanted the kids back in their country of origin. Not in one case. 485 cases have, uh, the parents have been contacted by the Department of Homeland Security and said, we've got your kid here. We will reunite you with your kid in the country of origin. Not in one case have the parents wanted the kids back. Why? Because they're sending their kids to America. There could be a perfectly sympathetic or, you know, understandable explanation for this. But don't tell me that Donald Trump won't unite the kids with their parents. They're doing their best. DHS would like nothing more than to unite the kids with their parents in their country of origin. But that doesn't mean that you get to just blow out the open borders and, and abolish our immigration laws and let anybody come in. We already let, what, 2 million people a year in? vast majority of Americans want that number to be dramatically lower by 50% or more, according to some polls. Can't do that. Can't do that. And if the parents don't want their kids back, we can't make them take the kids back. He used the phrase coyotes. Some people don't know what that word means. I think our, our national IQ has dropped pretty significantly. You know, people can't do very simple things like me. I can't go into an auto parts store and know exactly what I'm getting. Thankfully, there's rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is so much easier than walking into a store and then someone demanding a quick answer to something like, hey, do you have the 2017 doodad gizmo or do you need the 2019 LXEX? And I'd say, I don't know what that, I don't know what any of those numbers or letters even mean. And then, by the way, when you say what part that you need, usually the people at the auto parts store, what do they do? They go into the back, then they go online, they probably go to rockauto.com, they order the part and they charge you twice as much. Don't, don't do that. Go to rockauto.com. You can go to it at your desk, in your pocket. rockauto.com is a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. 
The website is so simple to navigate. Even I can do it. I don't know anything about Corus. Even I can navigate their website. And they've been serving Autoports customers online for basically as long as the internet has been around. These, are, th these guys are totally reliable. The prices are always reliably low. You don't need to wait for some gimmick or anything like that. Head on over to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, in their How Did You Hear About Us box. And that way they will know that we sent you. Trump mentions that these coyotes, these, you know, these criminals are bringing the kids over. Apparently some, some people on the left don't know what coyotes are. There was a, a state representative, Darshan Kendrick. Darshan Kendrick is a state rep in Georgia who tweets that, did Donald Trump just say 545 kids can't find their parents for came over through cartels and coyotes? How the heck does a coyote bring a whole human across the border? Lord, stop talking. Final debate. <laughs> I can't, when I saw that, I thought, it, I guess she's kidding too. I, I, there's no way she really, but I think actually she thought he was talking about the animal coyotes, not the criminals who are animals, frankly, if you ask me, uh, bringing the, the human beings across. I just love that idea. Like, good Lord, stop talking. Are you that stupid, Trump? It's like when people say that, very often they are the ones who are missing something, such as David Hogg. He was that kid who became a micro celebrity after a school shooting and he, he led the fight to essentially abolish the Second Amendment and then he was admitted to Harvard for doing that. David Hogg tweeted out, imagine calling the immigrant parents that bring their children to the United States for a better life, coyotes. The level of xenophobia is sickening. And again, I wish, I wish he, I could say he were kidding, but I suspect he is not. He is not, and we need to raise the voting age <laughs> in this country. How old is David Hogg? He's like 19 years old or something like that. He should not be voting. He should, whatever, whatever age he is, we need to raise the voting age above that number. He's at Harvard, by the way. So he is, at least according to the liberal establishment, he is one of the truly elite, intelligent, young, young people in this country and still certainly should not be voting, especially probably should not be voting. California wants to lower the voting age. They want to allow some 17 year olds to vote. If the 17 year olds would be old enough to vote in the general election, they want to lower the voting age for them in the primary elections. Uh, this is Proposition 18 on the ballot in just a couple weeks. Obviously, it should be shot down. There's a push throughout the whole country to lower the voting age. The, the one point I want to make here is that we've now gotten it in our heads that Voting is the most wonderful thing you can do, and it's always a good thing, and there's no reason ever not to vote, and there's no reason ever not to abolish any, any slight obstacle at all to voting. Voting is a means to an end. Voting is an instrument to get good government. If you don't know anything, it, it is not helpful for you to vote. It does not help the country. It does not help you. You will not get magical superpowers if you go out and vote. If you don't know anything about the election or our politics or our government or our history, it's not good. I would recommend in that case, you not vote. Me, if I didn't know anything about these issues, if I didn't know anything about the candidates, I would excuse myself from the voting process. 
because I would have nothing to offer the voting process. We've now gotten it in our mind, though, that voting is the most perfect expression of our humanity, which is why you're seeing the left just trying to erode all limitations on voting. Felons should vote. Uh, 17-year-olds, 16-year-olds should vote. um, By the way, I'm not talking about felons who have served their time and they got out. I'm saying even people in prison right now, the left wants them to vote. All sorts of people should vote. I think we need to just reframe the issue a little bit. What is the point of voting? What is it for? We've lost the, the idea in, in our society that things are for something. You see it in the, in the sexual revolution, most especially, right? Because our sexual nature is for something. It has a purpose, but we've lost sight of that. So people do all sorts of crazy things. But this cup has a, has a purpose as a tea loss, as a four. The cup is for getting coffee into my mouth so that I can then have energy and do my show. The, the, the cup is not for uh, wearing as a hat. The cup is not for uh, playing the telephone game. It's not for those things. Our government, our constitution, it's for something. We are for something. We have a purpose. And for as long as we don't understand what that purpose is, we are going to uh, misunderstand. Things are going to go haywire. Politicians have a purpose. They're, they're supposed to be for something. And this is actually the point with Joe Biden. Joe Biden doesn't stand for anything. Joe Biden is an empty suit. It's why he gets so, so stuck when he actually has to answer a question. It's why he offered one concrete policy during that debate. The concrete policy was I'm going to destroy the energy industry. And it gets him into a lot of trouble. But any answer he would have given would have gotten him into trouble because no one knows what he's for. It's all just this kind of vague sentimentality. What are our politicians for? We have a politician in California right now trying to cancel Thanksgiving. You think that's what they're for? I don't think so. It's one of the stupidest proposals I've heard in quite some time, which we will get to in a second. But you know, the election is almost here. We have an amazing day of programming for you on election day. Our live stream starts Tuesday, November 3rd at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 p.m. Pacific. This will feature special guests, live interviews, multiple all access live sessions. And this will lead up to a very special episode of Backstage where we will be covering the results with you in real time. And even better, you can join Daily Wire now and get 25% off with code ELECTION. So you can watch all of our election coverage live on Apple TV, on Roku. Members can get our articles ad-free, access to our all of our live broadcasts and show library, the full three hours of the Ben Shapiro show, Reader's Pass, which is only available to Daily Wire members. If you are considering an all-access membership, you get to join us on all-access live every night for online and live stream discussions. You also get not one, but two Leftist Tears tumblers and early, sometimes exclusive access to new Daily Wire products. Is that enough? It should be. Go to dailywire.com, 25% off using code ELECTION. We'll be right back with a lot more. Here are the guidelines if you're having Thanksgiving in California. Thankfully, I will be out of this state for Thanksgiving. I would have ignored the rules even if I were here. All gatherings must include no more than three households including hosts and guests. So, you know, you've got uh, three aunts and their families who could come over. No, I'm sorry, you got to pick two. <laughs> Old aunt Beth doesn't get to come to Thanksgiving this year. She is the least favorite aunt. You can only pick two that they can come over, but the, the other one, no. Because if you invite two people over, 
you won't get coronavirus. But if you invite a third person over, you will get coronavirus. I guess that's just science. Uh, they, they cannot last for more than two hours. Again, if you have a two hour Thanksgiving dinner, you're, you're okay. But at two and a half hour Thanksgiving dinner, you will get coronavirus. That is, I guess, science. Uh, gatherings that occur outdoors are safer than indoor gatherings. So all gatherings must be outside. I guess like the first Thanksgiving, that's really going back in history. You're not allowed to go indoors because if you go indoors, you will get coronavirus. By the way, I, I have been ignoring all, all of these stupid rules from the very beginning, the masks and the social distancing and the indoors and the outdoors. And I've been ignoring all of it. And guess what? I'm having a great time. My life is totally fine. My friends' lives are totally fine. My family's lives, totally fine. You can do it. You can do it. It's okay. You don't need to listen to these idiotic politicians. Those who are at the Thanksgiving gathering quote, may remove their face coverings briefly to eat or drink as long as they stay six feet away from everyone outside their own household. And then they have to put the face covering back on. The minute they're done with the activity, you get one little spoonful of cranberry sauce in there, but you better put that mask on. I don't care if it smears the sauce. You got to do it. Otherwise, otherwise you will get coronavirus. Face coverings can be removed to meet urgent medical needs, such as uh, taking an asthma inhaler if you get an attack. So you are allowed... (laughs) You're allowed to take the mask off if you are dying. You can take it off to get life-saving medicine, but otherwise you better put it on. No singing, no chanting, no shouting, no physical exertion of any kind is permitted. If you do have to sing at the table, you've got to do it very quietly in a speaking voice behind a mask. And then you have to go home within two hours. Uh, Obviously, none of that is based on science. Science itself has very little to say about any of those questions because those are ethical and philosophical and political questions. And uh, all of them are not only uh, medically pointless, but, but politically horrifically perverse and corrosive. So you should ignore all of that. I intend on going to a Thanksgiving dinner and hugging and kissing everybody and sharing plates and maybe even sharing drinks with people and singing very loudly and never, ever, ever even considering wearing my mask. And I encourage all of you to do the same because this is all very stupid and these politicians are not going to let off even one little bit on this grip of power that they've stolen from us pointlessly, uh, unconstitutionally, uh, unless we take it from them. So just take it, just ignore them. No reason to pay any attention to them. No reason to pay any attention to Dr. Fauci also, who should have been fired long ago. And I don't mean six months ago, I mean like 35 years ago. Somehow this guy has been in his job for 40 years, more than 40 years, I think. Not, not great. It's, it's between 30 and 40 years, I think. Dr. Fauci says that the masks and the measures are not going to go away anytime soon. 15 days to slow the spread. Forget about that. They're not going to go away through 2022, even with a vaccine. He says, it's not going to be the way it was with polio and measles, where you get a vaccine case closed, it's done. Uh, We're not going to have herd immunity for a considerable period of time into 2022. I feel strongly that we're going to need to have some degree of public health measures to continue. I I don't. You know, it's funny. I feel strongly that Dr. Fauci should get fired. So, you know, you feel that way and I feel this way. And, uh, and so let's go with my way. Fire Fauci, get rid of him. There's just no reason to have him on TV. If he goes on TV, he should wear a mask so that we can't hear what, what he has to say. A lot of people believe that the Democrats are going to give up this hysteria about COVID after the election. The, the joke, and I've, I've said this too, 
Well, something tells me on November 4th, all this is going to calm down. All the masks are going to go away. I'm not so sure about that. They've taken a shocking amount of power and they have fundamentally reordered our, our public and social culture. I don't think they're going to give that up. That's a lot of power. So we need to take it. We need to take it back. I'm, I'm not going to wear the masks unless I have to in some immediate circumstance to get on an airplane or to go and pick up my sandwich or whatever and, and I'll wear it in a very particular circumstance and I will wear it below my nose just as a very slight protest. You can tell people's political views by exactly where on their nose and mouth they wear their masks. But, but regardless of that, any other time I'm going to ignore every single one of these stupid measures. Every single one. And I encourage all of you to as well. The narrative is falling apart. It's clear that, that the left is, is not even helping on the issue now. The leftists are not even helping the other leftists. Jake Tapper was just hammering Nancy Pelosi on this issue because they're obviously just manipulating it for political purposes. If this were the greatest threat we've ever faced, then surely the Democrats would want to give out more COVID relief money, right? Democrats love giving out money to people. That's what they run on. So Trump says, okay, I'm willing to sign a bill give me the bill. And Pelosi says, no. Jake Tapper says, why not? Why won't you take yes for an answer? Let's just, you know, let's be hopeful. We're nine days before an election. Yeah. We're trying to unify the country. And one way to do it is to come together to crush the virus so that we can open our economy, open our schools, uh, uh, feed our people, 17 million children, food right. insecure in our country. But again, the answer is crush the virus. So I, I get that. Um, but it just seems like they keep moving closer and closer. I, I, I get that you're they waiting don't. for it on paper, but it just seems like yeah. the, the, you're winning. I mean, that's what it seems like to me. I'm looking at all the things that the White House is moving towards your position on, and it seems like you could take yes for an answer. Well, as soon as they say this is it, we in our negotiations, yes, that is the case. But then they take it back, and when they come back, it isn't always, it isn't what we anticipated. Huh? What? What was that, Nancy? Huh? She's just sort of babbling incoherently after Tapper makes this good point. Why won't you take yes for an answer? Now, you've got to remember, when the media push back on Democrats, that is a categorically different act than when the media push back on Republicans. It's the difference between fighting with your enemy and fighting with your lover. When, when the media are hammering Republicans, it is because they oppose what the Republicans are trying to do. When the media are hammering Democrats, it is because they're having a tactical disagreement. They agree on where they want to go, but they're having a disagreement over which tactics are going to work best. And what, what Tapper is saying here is, this doesn't look good, Nancy. People are waiting for you to, to give them the money for COVID. If you would just give them the damn money, that would help us all out, all of us liberals. So just do it. What's wrong with you? And what Nancy Pelosi is saying is, no, we can't do it because Trump is going to get credit for it if we do it. And it doesn't really matter. We don't care if people get the money and the COVID. It's not even as big a deal as we're all pretending that it is. So we're just holding it out until the election and then we'll change strategy. And they're just arguing back and forth over what the tactic should be. And, and Pelosi's answer is, you've just got to oppose Trump. All the left has is opposing Trump. The right faced this problem a little bit under Obama, especially with 
with regard to healthcare. Healthcare is a very good issue for Democrats in this way because they, they always have some big crazy plan that's going to steal people's choice and steal away their money and destroy the healthcare system all in the name of making it wonderful and perfect and utopian. And the, the right never has an answer to it because our answer on healthcare is, yeah, we're going to make modest changes here and there as they come. We're not going to overhaul the whole damn thing. We're not going to take away your doctor. We're not going to have some big national program because that's going to actually harm the healthcare system, which currently, currently is the best in the world. But that doesn't sound really good on 30-second TV ads. You're not allowed to say, no, we're not going to have a huge fundamental change. We're going to tinker around here and there and make it better and better as we've been doing for 100 years. So the Democrats would say, well, you Republicans, you don't have a, a positive alternative. You just oppose Obama and specifically Obamacare. And in a way, they were right. We, we opposed much of their stupid plan. And we uh, the, the positive ideas we had to offer health savings accounts, insurance across state lines, those, those were relatively minor changes compared to Obamacare. Now, the situation has flipped after the Obama era. All the left has is opposition to Trump. Saturday Night Live was joking about this. Even Saturday Night Live, as left-wing as, as television shows get, they, they said that there's a big risk here for Democrats because if they vote for Biden, then Trump might lose, and then they'll all have nothing to talk about. Everyone knows this could be the most important election in our nation's history. And the two choices couldn't be more different. Do we want four more years of Donald Trump? Or a fresh start with Joe Biden? Can we survive four more years of scandal, name-calling, and racial division? Or do we want a leader who unites the country? I want to vote for Biden because he's better, smarter, better, and better. But I'm worried. I'm worried too. Because if Donald Trump isn't president, then what are we going to talk about? Like, what will our conversations even be? Because the only thing I've talked about for four years is Donald Trump. Every single day I tell someone, can you believe what Trump just said? My entire personality is hating Donald Trump. If he's gone, what am I supposed to do? Focus on my kids again? No thanks. I argue with my dad every day about Trump. Before this, we hadn't spoken in years. It, it goes on and on. You can tell it's a left-wing sketch, right? They're saying Biden's so much better, Biden's so much better. But they attack these leftists because the leftists have nothing other than hating Trump. It's so bizarre to me because I get these angry emails from friends and relatives. I get them all the time. People who have not thought about politics very much, but they, they think they're thinking about it all the time. All they're thinking about is how much they hate Trump. And I get these emails. It's terrible. You can't support Trump. You can't be a Republican. You know, you, one gets them every single election cycle. It's not even just exclusive to Donald Trump. It's, it's exaggerated with Donald Trump, but it's not exclusive to him. And I always think that you think it's immoral for me to vote for Trump. Okay. I understand that. I think it's immoral for you to vote for Joe Biden. I think it's an immoral thing to do. I think you'll have to answer for that at judgment day. For, I'm, I'm not joking. This is not an exaggeration. I think you will actually have to answer for voting for Joe Biden at judgment day because it is that immoral. But I don't harangue my Democrat friends and relatives all the time about it because I understand that for most of them, I think it's an honest misunderstanding. They don't get it. They haven't thought about this too deeply. They haven't thought about the moral issues underneath it too deeply. And orange man's bad. And they've kind of been driven a little kooky by that. And so they, they're, they're willing to do it. That's fine. What you have to answer for at judgment day is, is your problem. It's not, I'm, fortunately, I don't think I'm going to have to answer for you. 
The left can't understand that the other way. All, their entire personality has become hating Donald Trump. There are, there are whole Twitter accounts, individuals who I've met in real life, whose whole Twitter account is, I hate Trump. I'm, I used to be a Trump voter, but now I'm not a Trump voter. I hate Trump, whatever. Hating Donald Trump is not a personality. Making your whole life about one political candidate, that's not a personality. Life is much, much bigger than that. You know, I really like Trump. I mean, I'm, I, I'm a big supporter of his. I like a lot of other Republican politicians. And I've been supporters of theirs, friends of theirs even, in some cases. But that's not, that's not my whole life. That's not my whole personality. There are other things in life. Many other things. At the, forget the political level, at the cultural level, and ultimately, of course, at the religious level. The Republicans, the conservatives, the Trump people can explain right now what they're voting for beyond just the man. We get a kick out of the man, but we're voting for something. We're voting for enforcement of our immigration laws. We're voting for protection of our workers. We're voting for protection of our country, our history, our culture, our way of life in America. We're voting for all of those things. We're voting for the protection of our churches. We're voting for the protection of law and order. What is the left voting for? They can't quite say it. That's why Biden got tongue-tied on the energy question. On any single issue, they're going to get messed up on what they're voting for. That's why Biden has to just be blowing around in the wind. Chelsea Handler summed this up. Yeah, Chelsea Handler is that, I guess, comedian. Is she a comedian? She's this white comedian who said she got very angry at her ex-boyfriend, 50 Cent, because 50 Cent said he's going to vote for Trump. And, and he explained why he's going to vote for Trump. He said he's going to vote for Trump because Trump is going to keep his taxes relatively low and Joe Biden is going to raise his taxes so significantly that 50 cent would become 20 cent. So he gave his reasoning. And Chelsea Handler was so upset that, that she had to call and remind him that he's black, that blacks aren't allowed to vote for conservatives. They have to vote for Democrats. You heard about my ex-boyfriend, right? 50 cent and his support of of, of uh, Donald Trump. Yeah, what's going on between you? I, I saw your tweets and I go, wait, what's happening? Because you said he was your favorite ex-boyfriend and then he, what does he do? He's supporting Trump? He says he doesn't want to pay 62% of taxes, which by the way, is in a plan of Joe Biden's. That's, that's, that's a lie. So he doesn't want to pay 62% of taxes because he doesn't want to go from being 50 cents to 20 cents. <laughs> and, I, and I had to remind him that he was a black person so he can't vote for Donald Trump and that he shouldn't be influencing an entire swath of people who may listen to him because he's worried about his own personal pocketbook. So I haven't heard back from him yet, but I, I am willing to, you know, seal the deal in more ways than one if he changes his mind and publicly denounces Donald Trump. I might be willing to go for another spin, if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Everything about that is disgusting. Everything. First of all, the idea that Chelsea Handler who, you know, how do I say this respectfully? No spring chicken, okay, anymore, is going to prostitute herself so that this guy will vote for Biden is gross. It's gross to think about. It's gross to do. The statement that this, this white liberal is going to lecture a black man on how, because of his skin color, he's not allowed to vote for Republicans is gross. It's disgusting. It's obviously untrue. 
The idea that Joe Biden won't raise some people's taxes to 62%, she said that that's a lie. That's not a lie. It's true. It's true. The reason she doesn't understand this is because she, I guess she thinks there is only such a thing as federal taxes, but there are state and local taxes too. And when you add it up in places like California, the Biden tax plan comes out for many people, including 50 cent to 62%, maybe 63% actually. Well, the whole thing is gross, but in that, in that whole gross monologue to Jimmy Fallon, who was just as confused. He goes, huh? He's voting for Trump? Huh? What? That's so weird. In that whole monologue, she never explains why 50 Cent has to vote for Biden. Why all black people have to vote for Democrats. Why? She just makes a lot of insinuations. Well, he's black. I mean, it's like, I don't even need to explain it. No, you do. Explain it to me. Explain to me why anybody should vote for Biden. Well, Trump's bad. He, okay, right, okay. Yeah, I got it. You think Trump's really bad. Put that over here for a second. Why should I vote for Joe Biden instead of just voting against Donald Trump? I actually think it's legitimate to vote against candidates, but just, just as an intellectual exercise, why do you, why would you vote for this guy? Trump puts kids in cages. No, he didn't. Joe Biden actually started that, but that's fine. Neither here nor there. Why would you vote for Joe Biden? They can't give you an answer. Because Joe Biden himself is not for anything. Joe Biden licks that finger, puts it up in the wind, and blows around. That's why he is a low-energy candidate, to use the term that was applied to Jeb Bush in, in 2016. Jeb Bush stood for a lot more than Joe Biden ever has. But he's a low-energy because he can't take a position. And the one time he gets backed into taking a position, it's on an issue that could cost him the election, particularly in Pennsylvania. You see the dilemma. What is Joe for? Nothing at all. What are you for? What are you for? Less than two weeks until the election. I'm Michael Knowles. This is the Michael Knowles Show. If you enjoyed this episode, and frankly, even if you didn't, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Assistant director, Pavel Wadowski. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup, Nika Geneva. And production assistant, Ryan Love. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. If you prefer facts over feelings, aren't offended by the brutal truth, and you can still laugh at the insanity filling our national news cycle, well, tune in to The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get a whole lot of that and much more. See you there. Mm-hmm.